Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister calls China's actions toward Canadian planes provocative and irresponsible. We will continue to register strongly that they are uh, putting uh, people at risk uh, while at the same time not respecting decisions by the UN to enforce UN uh, sanctions on North Korea. What could high membership sales say about the future of the Conservative Party? I think there are ongoing concerns about party unity and whether the people who vote for anybody other than the winner are going to be welcome in this party. And polls show a majority of Canadians are comfortable with the Liberal NDP deal. I think it's good to see the government kind of being, you know, put, working together, you know, and everything. And I think they have in the past, or they do, behind closed doors, but it's really nice to see it in front of us because we always get the impression that they're always against each other. It's Tuesday, June 7th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. So the Prime Minister is attending this week the Summit of the Americas, and there are some inter- some international stories and themes that are going to dominate that event, I'm sure. And leading into the summit, it was interesting that yesterday the Prime Minister... Uh, gave a news conference. Uh, he was speaking with the president of Chile yesterday, and and there was this event that happened um, uh, involving Canadian planes, and Trudeau condemned the actions of China towards those Canadian planes who were taking, which were taking part in a United Nations mission. The prime minister called those actions of Chinese pilots irresponsible and provocative, and. Um, and it's interesting because there's there are a number of different ways we can look at this, but obviously, Canada's relationship with China is is much different from what it was only a few years ago, uh, perhaps even when Justin Trudeau came to power in this country. So, Almost, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that a bit. Yeah, uh, it's interesting to see you know the prime minister more willing to speak out against what China is doing. We'll recall that yes. Uh, Things are much different. The relations are much different. And what people around the prime minister would say was that's because China is different, that there is a real worry that China is, you know, basically siding with uh, Russia in in uh, in what's going on in Ukraine right now, that that. Uh, and of course, you know the the low point was the the capturing of the two Michaels, who are now back in Canada safely. So there's there's a it's it's a very very complicated relationship, which is a really weaselly thing to say. But the it is you can say that the prime minister seems to be more willing now that the Michaels are out to say things like irresponsible and provocative about China. It also shows that uh, how much world events are going to dominate the uh, the discussion of the Summit of the Americas, even though Europe is a long way away from Los Angeles, where they're meeting. Certainly, events in, in Ukraine are on their mind. The Prime Minister on his way to L.A. is stopping at NORAD headquarters in Colorado Springs, bringing Anita Anand with them. They're going to be talking about continental defense. Uh, so, it, it shows that that uh, this is a week uh, that the Prime Minister is going to be primarily concerned with the large forces that are 
are out there on the world stage, whether that's what's going on with China, what's going on with Russia, but also the uh, the relations with uh, America and its uh, southern and northern neighbors. Yeah. All right, let's turn to the conservative leadership race. Um, and we talked yesterday on the podcast uh, about the numbers. Uh, there are all kinds of claims being made about how many memberships have been sold. And there's there's been more discussion over the last couple of days about what that means. Obviously, anytime a party is selling lots of memberships, I think they probably view it as normally would view it as a, a healthy thing. But but in this case, it it is exposing potential divisions in the party. I think that's the way some people are looking at it, that that there is a lot of interest in this race and what it means for the future of the party. Therefore, there are those who are motivated uh, to to sign up as a member and vote for Pierre Poiliev and those who are motivated to sign up as a member and perhaps vote for somebody else so he doesn't become leader. And I know there could be lots of other reasons why people would would sign up and support another candidate, but but it's starting to feel like that's the dynamic in this race. Yeah, I think we. it's probably fair to say we should say it's a good thing as a, a politics watcher. I think it's a great thing when people pay $15 of their own money to join a political party and participate in the democratic process. And these numbers are staggering. I'm sure you've talked about this. This is hundreds of thousands of more than have ever voted in any leadership race, if they vote. You know, yeah. that's, there's a... There is that question, too. I think there are ongoing concerns about party unity and whether the people who vote for anybody other than the winner are going to be welcome in this party. I'm particularly intrigued. It's been like a Democratic roller coaster over the past few days, seeing these record high numbers, which seems to be good news for political engagement in this leadership race, and yet the horrible, abysmal numbers in the Ontario election. You know, that we've, it's been a long time since Ontario or any election at, uh, at that high level has seen less, fewer than half of Ontarians eligible to cast a ballot voted. Yeah. And I, it, it makes you wonder about voter motivation. You know, that if, are, are people all signing up to be conservatives because they're so dissatisfied with the system? There seems to be, the theme here is disaffection. You know, that, that 300,000 or more that Pierre Polyev claims to have signed up, um, 100, almost 120,000 of those are in Ontario. Obviously, something is moving them. I would love to meet somebody who didn't vote in Ontario but has signed up to vote in this election because I think that that speaks to a, a kind of a motivation or what is making people interested in politics interested in politics right now. Yeah. And so just is is part of the context, do you think, um, the the how much something matters or or how angry and frustrated some people might be. So is it it you know, could it be that there were people who uh, if there were people in Ontario who figured the outcome of the most recent provincial election last week was somewhat predetermined, that it, there wasn't much much suspense about it, there wasn't much at stake, and yet there might be something at stake in this federal conservative leadership race. I, I think that yeah, that's exactly the point. I also do think the styles of the campaigns are very different. Mm. D- Doug Ford uh, deliberately was very low-key, middle-of-the-road, don't shake up the status quo, whereas the opposite is true. You know, all of the issues that dominated the conservative leadership race 
uh, or have so far, the convoy protests, freedom, vaccine mandates, none of that was an issue in Ontario. You know, that that just uh, was totally outside. So maybe it is the case that, yes, when people want to change something, when when people think people are motivated right now to shake up the system and it looked like what was going to happen in Ontario was more of the same. I don't know, but, but it is a fascinating case study. I, I think we've got, uh, I was talking to yesterday to Greg Lyle, who's um, a a pollster who talks, does a lot of polling about values and, and interesting things like that. And he was talking about that basically this summer is going to be a trial run for all the different kinds of ways in which these leadership candidates are trying to motivate their base. It's a, it's, it's a democratic experiment. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch. We've got Charest trying to pull people away from this Polyev freight train. We've got Polyev conducting a very new, modern, anti-establishment, really online campaign, but Leslie Lewis with the social conservatives and Patrick Brown with the cultural communities. And all of these, if we, if we look at who is, is motivating their base enough, I think we're going to learn a lot about what is making people vote. It's a, it's actually a great experiment with this many people too. If they're, they're all voting, I think it's, um, it's going to be an interesting summer for the conservatives. Mm. All right, finally, uh, let's continue along this theme a little bit because uh, it's interesting that the majority of Canadians, uh, according to a poll that was was released yesterday, are supportive, uh, somewhat comfortable with or comfortable with the, uh, that's the the little language that the the pollsters use when they're asking these kinds of questions, with the Liberal NDP deal that is is sustaining the Liberals and could continue to sustain them for, for some time. And I know we're going to get a report from the chief electoral officer of Canada today. Um, so, so there's this kind of interesting timing about around that, but, but by and large people's, I'm not sure what's driving that opinion. Is it, is it, you know, we don't need another election and, and we're fine with this government continuing as it is. Is it something else? What are your thoughts on that? I, here again, maybe I'm reading too much into these Ontario election results, but I think the, the, uh, the election was definitely, just get out of our faces. Just leave us alone. And I think the Liberals and NDP capitalized on that sentiment when Canada and especially the capital here had just got over the convoy protest and it and was in the middle of the early days of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I think there is a real appetite out there right now for people to say, look, just give us something stable. Just do your jobs. Get out of our faces. We've had the government in our face for two years. We don't need any more. So I think that the reason behind the deal was stability. That was the, the big thing. I I will be intrigued to see what the chief electoral officer has to say today about the uh, recommendations from last two elections, because it's really been um, a, a learning thing and, and trying to expand the access to voting, which was part of the Liberal NDP deal, they, they're trying to get more voting days in and uh, and expand access to the system as well, and sort of expand the franchise. So, uh, what the chief electoral officer has today to, to say today about that does strike a little bit at that Liberal NDP deal too. But I think the the overwhelming 
thing I think we should take from take away from this poll is that Canadians would just like things to calm down a bit. Yeah. It's just been too much turmoil over the last little while. Right. All right. Very interesting points. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. We've continued to look for ways alongside our partners and allies to give the Ukrainians what they need to be able to uh, uh, successfully uh, win this conflict. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At Policy Options, Nicole Jackson considers Canada's options in Ukraine. Jackson writes, Ukraine deserves Canada's support to defend itself. Along with our allies, Canada has shown the will and ability to answer Putin's aggressions and the right of countries to defend themselves. Canada can continue to arm Ukraine and impose more and tighter sanctions. However, this may be a long and increasingly dangerous war of attrition. Our government should make sure that responses continue to be commensurate with Canadian values and goals. Canadians need a clear idea of the costs, limits, and possible unintended consequences of our engagement. In the Hill Times, Rose LeMay argues, The crisis of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls needs action now. LeMay writes, What would we demand of our governments if 2,000 white women were killed? How about we do nothing, like we are doing about the crisis of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls? The levels of racism underpinning this collective refusal to act is breathtaking. If you're upset about the findings of unmarked graves beside residential schools, if you're stricken by the fact that this is what Canada has done to Indigenous peoples, then you're going to need to find a way to get past the shame and do something. Canada is continuing to put Indigenous women and girls into unmarked graves today. In the National Post, Carson Jerima argues the Liberal Party has been replaced by a troll farm. He writes, From gun control to abortion rights to vaccine mandates, no underlying purpose is being served. The only aims are to rile up an increasingly hard-left base and to provoke the Conservatives into opposing these policies so the Liberals can paint them as ogres. It would be one thing if the government's progressive agenda was designed to produce the results it promised, but often the only result being produced is outrage. That division is embedded in politics, is hardly a novel observation, but this endless effort to skewer and bait political opponents and critics has become the Liberals' main guiding purpose. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will chair the Cabinet meeting before leaving for Colorado Springs where he and Defense Minister Anita Anand will participate in an official welcome ceremony featuring military honors by the Canadian and United States Armed Forces. They will then participate in a briefing session provided by members of NORAD, observe a demonstration at Cheyenne Mountain Space Force Station, and meet with Canadian Armed Forces personnel. The Prime Minister will then head to Los Angeles. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend the Cabinet meeting and question period. Minister of Labour Seamus O'Regan will attend the 110th session of the International Labour Conference in Geneva, Switzerland. In Ottawa, Immigration Minister Sean Fraser will be present for the signing of a new Memorandum of Understanding to support up to 600 MITAX internships for Ukrainian students affected by the Russian invasion. Environment Minister Stephen Gilbeau 
We'll answer questions following the table of new proposed legislation that gives Indigenous peoples a stronger voice and strengthens the protection and conservation of historic places in Canada. And Conservative Party Interim Leader Candace Bergen will speak at a news conference about inflation and the cost of living. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, June 7th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.